Welcome to Jurassic Park. Welcome to another bonus edition of the No Dunks podcast. We got the whole gang here today, plus one. He is the lead Raptors writer for The Athletic in Toronto. He also co-hosts a Raptors-specific podcast on The Athletic Network. It's Eric Kareen. Eric, thanks for joining us. Oh, man. Blake is going to be all over me now that you s- you snuck lead writer. In the <laughs> I know it's in my bio, but like we have a long-standing, semi-joking, not-really-joking feud over, over that title that I sort of gave myself. So, uh, well, you both do great work, honestly, for yeah, The Athletic Yeah, Blake is, Blake Blake is the man. Yes. He, he's great. Um, well, our first question, Eric... It's not even really a question at all. It's more of a demand. Give me some Raptor news. Yeah, just give me some Raptor news. We just had to get that in there. It's a classic throwback for us. Well, I think we got to start with Norm, right? Were you guys at the game yesterday? A lot of us were down at the Fortress watching Norm catch fire there in the fourth. What's going on with him? What's going on? Norm, last 15 games, his shooting splits are... I believe 57, 48, 86. Um, (laughs) He's currently started 17 of his 32 games, but if they stay at full health, he's going to creep below that uh, 50% (laughs) starting mark. Uh, I asked him if he wanted to make a a case to participate in the three-point competition. He declined. Norm will, to make the campaign. Like, I I think he would probably gladly (laughs) take part, but he's not going to make the case. He's very diplomatic in these situations. Uh, You know, a few of you guys are Raptors fans. I think you've probably taken the roller coaster with Norm over the years. Yep. <laughs> this is easily the most sustained uh, uh, you know consistent basketball he's played and and really at a unreasonable level. Like I don't think those numbers those percentages can really keep up at this volume, but he's becoming that guy they really haven't had since Lou Williams, which is a sort of a sixth man yeah. type instant offense off the bench, but he's not going to you know, not everything has to run through him quite in the same way. He's been great, and it's something, you know, that contract that he signed has gone like, good deal, bad deal, good deal, oh, bad man, deal. Yeah. And now it's like, oh, maybe he opts out in 2021, <laughs> and we don't have to worry about unloading him so, you know, Giannis can come home. Yeah, <laughs> and, it, and it's all because he touched Fred Van Vliet's son. Is that what people that are trying is, to tell me? That is the rumor on Twitter. Uh, I, I saw that. I mean... We saw what uh, Fred Jr. can can do in the playoffs. Yep. Uh, you know, Fred came back in Minnesota and shot six for – or seven for eight or six for seven. I don't remember from three. So I was wondering if he had another baby yeah. on that. And then Kyle Lowry's mom got in touch, you know, sort of did an LOL and added uh, Fred's – I'm not sure if it's fiancé or wife uh, – significant other and she sort of shot down those rumors <laughs> I believe there was a no 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 oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> involved so anyway nor or uh, I think there's a a 3,000 word feature to write on Fred Jr. Yes, probably I think so well the Raps are 29 and 14 here uh, basically at the halfway mark of the season what is what is one word that you would use to describe the Raptors through the first chunk of this season through half of it S- sort of re- relentless I think, like, no matter who's gone down, and they've almost all gone down, yep. like, you know, of the t- top eight rotation players, if you're including Patrick McCaw, and I know some Raptors fans don't want to do that. Well, we'll get to that. <laughs> um, but seven of those guys missed at least 10 games in the first 41 games of the year, first half, which is ridiculous. Like, uh, so there's been no, sta- no stability, uh, no sort of you know, reliability in terms of who's going to be out there and who hasn't. You know, three guys get injured in the same game, three of your top six or seven. And Nick Nurse has found a way to, you know, no matter the style, and the style has sort of changed, he's found a way to coax success out of this team. And at the beginning of the year, when Kyle Lowry and Serge Ibaka went down, you saw lots of heavy traps of star players, and you saw guys like... You know, LeBron had a mad game against them. Damian Lillard in Portland, you know, we saw him go for 61 last night. I think he had like 8 or 10 or something like that uh, in a win in Portland. Uh, James Harden. James Harden, they sort of, you know, Golden State stole what they did against him Mm -hmm. on Christmas Day. They used it as a blueprint. Um, You saw it a number of times. And then when Kyle and Serge come back, and then almost immediately, or within a few weeks, you have Siakam, Gasol, and who am I missing there? Norm Powell mm-hmm. <laughs> go down at the same game. 
he Nick Nurse uses more uh, sort of normal defensive approaches. Yeah. It's a little bit of zone, but it, there's more man to man, and uh, and guys are just playing their butts off. This is one of the hardest playing teams in the league. Like they don't really get blown out very often. Uh, and so I, I think there's a bunch of guys who will be in awards consideration, but I think Nick Nurse has to be at the forefront of that as far as coach of the year. I know we can all name five or six sure. candidates, but he's one of them. He has a big case. Yeah, it seems like most Raptors have been free of ridicule. No one's really getting blamed on that roster. Other than I think somebody who's taken a, a little bit of heat is OG Ananobi, the guy that you know out of the rotation has been in every game basically, and has been there. And it was hard at the beginning of the season, I'm guilty of it, seeing Pascal Siakam's growth last year and watching OG go into year three now and saying, oh, he could do what Pascal did. Can, can, does he have that, does he have that ability to, to, to make that jump? So what has the guy that people want to kill OG Ananobi, what's his, what's his growth been like this season? You know, what's great about that conversation, and certainly you're not the only one who was a part of it, is like, oh, you remember that type of growth that resulted in the most improved player? <laughs> Literally the most improved player in the league. And sort of a level of of year-by-year growth that we haven't seen much of. Right. Yeah, another guy on the roster is going to do that. <laughs> so that hasn't happened. I, I think... What we've seen is improvements in, in fits and starts, especially from his second year. I think his defense uh, at the beginning of the year and also as of late, and I'll get to that in a minute, has been really good. You know, I think probably not quite good enough to get on an all-defense team, but he, if he's your lead defender against some of the earlier scorers in the league that's a good place to be yeah. uh, he's shown some capability more capability when he gets the ball swung to him uh, to drive out to drive at uh, a closeout and and sort of use his physicality to sort of you know what I can only call power layups kind of he yeah. really gets his shoulder into you and he's got and broad shoulders. space yeah uh, the dude is you know chiseled um, <laughs> I think for him to make that Siakam step and again unfair but for the stuff that you know you're dreaming of he has to go to work on his handling and that's the thing that really separates a lot of great role players from stars is is like ball handling's the number one skill because that's when you can start to because he's even shown improved passing but unless you have the ball handling to properly leverage that that's only so useful it's useful in breaking a zone if you're the guy at the nail it's not so useful if you're just catching the ball on the perimeter yeah. so he's uh, been he's been solid so yeah I, I think but i think he's been much better when the raptors have been healthier yeah and, he, and he's been in that role mm. of like he's your fifth off or fourth or fifth offensive player he's going to defend like hell and he knows exactly what to do when the ball comes to him. And Norm's not going to take his spot in the starting line. It doesn't really make sense, I imagine. I don't think you need another high-usage guy with Kyle Lowry, Fred Van Vliet, and Pascal Siakam all likely staying in some version of the starting lineup. We can talk about Fred and Norm if you want. I, I think it doesn't really matter that much. But I'd, I don't see Norm coming for OG's spot. To me, that doesn't make sense. Now, Nick Nurse likes to experiment. <laughs> if we see it a few games, that that's not crazy. He's been open about wanting to experiment with other lineups. Like, he's not as into stability and role stability as his predecessor was, maybe. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> um, which isn't a criticism. I mean, I think that's something he gets buy-in from the way he handled last year. Like, even Fred Van Vliet's been open about it. It's like, I didn't like not knowing what my role was going to be every game, but look, we won the championship. So yeah. it's tough to argue with the results. So, I mean, stuff like that, stuff like winning the championship gets a lot of, buy- <laughs> gets a lot of buy-in and buys you some time as, as a coach. I feel like that has also trickled down to the fan base. Just judging off of tweets, it seems like Raptors fans like this year's Raptors team even more than they liked last year's championship team. Is that just because everybody's still happy they won the championship? There's also no pressure, yeah, right? Exactly, like. Right. You know, you look at some of the other teams, like especially Philly, like they've had this big, you know, years long experiment and it hasn't paid off yet. And it might never pay off. It might. I I picked Philly to go to the finals this year. I'm not sure I'm ready to go off that. But you you feel the burden of that. uh, And that's sort of what 
the Raptors fans felt last year. Like, yes, it was great to have Kawhi Leonard, and that meant a real, real shot at making the finals or winning the championship. But that also meant a real, real shot at making the finals and winning the championship, which means, you know, coming up short would be a greater level of disappointment than they'd ever felt. Uh, And then, you know, I think they're back to a place that is more familiar and comfortable, which is nobody believes in us. Yep, that <laughs> underdog like, mentality. Yeah, it's like there's Toronto that picture of Dennis it. Scott and, and Sam Mitchell on NBA TV. Uh, Dennis Scott not having the Raptors making the playoffs. I think Sam had them eighth, eighth. or something yep. like that. Uh, I, I forgot who tweeted it, but it was like the best part of that is Dennis Scott looking incredulous that Sam would even put them in the top <laughs> eight. So it's like, oh, no, they're, they might get the second seed or they're going to be, you know, whatever it is, they're going to be between two and six and are outperforming every expectation from sort of national media. Like this is, like you said, Trey, it's sort of gravy, but also the way they play, you know, to an extent, a different guy every night, but also, again, the word I come back to is relentless. They're fun to watch and a fun group of guys to root for. Someone like Kyle Lowry, um, you know, he's the sort of guy who plays with a chip on his shoulder a lot. Really? (laughs) (laughs) You know, the fact that Kawhi left, and everyone, you know, talking about that. Well, the Raptors can't win it now. How much do you think Kyle uses that as motivation to say, we can go back and win it again with or without Kawhi Leonard? We, we're better than we were last season, maybe, without Kawhi Leonard because we've been there and we've done it and we've won it. I mean, I think the general, more than the specific, is on his mind. Like, I'm, I don't think it's as much Kawhi left. You know, my feelings are hurt. I, I don't think there's much, if any, of that. But... You know, you have to remember with Kyle, he was put into a lower usage role, and he was sort of the facilitator, and he was running pick and pops with Serge Ibaka a lot of the time, and and until sort of that, he had a big game one against Milwaukee, and then a big game six against Golden State, but there was, you know, is this guy just along for the ride? Mm-hmm. Which is ridiculous to, to people and fans who have watched him. Uh, you know, his overall impact in the game can't be denied. Uh, but there are, you know, is a large extent of the broader population that still thinks he was just a bystander as the Kawhi show came in. And so now he's in a bigger usage role. He's, you know, one of the two most important players on the team and, you know, pretty much carried them to respectability while those three guys were out. And some of, you know, real throwback Kyle Lowry, is this guy the best player in the game? conversations which isn't something we've said in a while uh you you know just from a scoring perspective like the game that goes in the 30-point comeback against Dallas and then the game against Indiana that goes into overtime those were classic Lowry's taking over games and for people who just look at his playoff numbers or or, and I even think that's overstated a bit Mm -hmm. I'm sure there's gratification and you know I'm playing a bigger role now and this team's damn good. Yeah. Do you think he's an all-star again this year? I don't think there's a question. Yeah. I, I've gone through – I mean, there's the practicality issue, which is the coaches are going to vote on the reserves, and I don't think they're not voting for Kyle Lowry, which is somewhat ironic considering the way <laughs> – you know, he might have missed out on on an all-star berth at, in his first full Toronto se- – or mm-hmm. second full Toronto season because he had this reputation with coaches <laughs> as a guy who stirred, you know – poop up Um, (laughs) but he's become this widely respected not to age him elder statesman you know has such a control and orchestrates the game kind of like the eastern conferences chris paul um in a way i think that's uh you know chris has the gaudier numbers and is the better overall player throughout his his career but i think that's sort of an an apt comparison. I, I don't know why I'm complimenting my own comparison. <laughs> um, but, but I think because of the success they have and, and especially had while undermanned, I think he's getting in pretty, you know, he's the ninth or 10th guy yeah. in, if not higher. But I, I, you're, I don't know about your comparison this season. I, I, Kyle Lowry's got the gaudier numbers this yes, season. Yes, yes. Over yeah. his career, of course, Chris Paul's been gaudier, but yeah. it's it's it would be strange not to see Kyle Lowry in there, especially as a guy who's gotten there five straight times. It's crazy I, I to sort of that. think, like, last year, you know, somebody had whispered, like, he'd sort of made peace with, like, that being his last year. And right. hmm. then he starts to – and at the beginning of the season, especially, he goes down. Fred Van Vliet's playing great in his place. 
and you know some crazy segment of Raptors Twitter is like, well, maybe Kyle can be the sixth man now. <laughs> uh, and you know the last six weeks or whatever have been a reminder that no, this guy drives a lot of winning and is still capable of the raw numbers too. Uh, and yeah, he's he's definitely in my mind he's definitely worthy of that spot and it would be I mean we can have an all-star conversation if you want but it, it would take some gymnastics for him to not be there yeah, I think I think you are right when you start because like, he's going to be going up against like the Brogdons of the world yeah. and, and you know I mean I think I think Ben Simmons has a great case to yeah. make it and probably will too but you get you get like three four maybe even five guards in the mix there but Jalen Brown yeah. another one and, and I do I'm with you that you would think the coaches more than anyone mm-hmm. out of uh, you know the media and the players would would side with a guy like Kyle Lowry that that leader so to speak on a successful team again. Yeah, and and then you get into the team conversation about like how many guys does this team deserve? How right. many guys, like I think there will only be one pacer, and you know as much as hard as it is to choose between. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, I don't think they're both going to get in yeah. just because you want to yeah. have three Celtics on when Indiana's only going to have one. So for that reason, I, I think that only helps yeah. Kyle's case. And then the Bucks have to have another one with Giannis oh, we'll see. Middleton. That's interesting then, to me. Yeah. Like I, I'm not sure that's going to happen. But uh, again, these are the coaches voting, and they tend to value winning over everything else. With well, the- since we're talking about Kyle Lowry, he just did this post-game interview where he was like, <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> Made big shots, and uh, yeah, it was a really good game. Wow, ah, resilience. We were really resilient squad, and uh, we uh, we played extremely hard. And uh, we'll just you know, keep plugging away. It was after the Terrence Davis game. Um, who was he impersonating? I've heard Russell Wilson. I've heard he was doing a Terrence Davis. Who it's, actually it's is not Terrence Davis. That's not how he. <laughs> how he yeah, I didn't think so either. In Canada, the theory, and I do not agree with this, okay. but it, he was doing like a hockey player right. impression. Right. I didn't get that vibe at all. Like, first of all, you have to throw um, a lot of really bad nicknames in there. So, <laughs> like, you'd have to be like, you know, Normie and yeah, yeah. Uh, Pask and. Uh, you know, Marky or Gasman. Um, yeah. Nursey put me in there. Yeah. Gave me an opportunity. So, so it's funny you say that. Some people say uh, it was Nick Nurse, but I think mm. you have to have right in there a lot. Like you have to have the uh, rhetorical right okay. in there. I think the two best theories I've heard, one is Russell Wilson okay. and the second is Tiger Woods. Um, <laughs> oh, nice. yeah. You know, um, he was, I believe, going golfing the next day. Um, but these are, I, I have, he will certainly never tell, uh, you know, cause <laughs> Kyle, take this to Kyle, Kyle Lowry loves to mess with, you know, the media and the broader fad base, maybe more than he loves proving people wrong. So uh, right. <laughs> it's right up there. Uh, one and one A in terms of the joys of in his life. So but if you're guessing telling. it's a Wilson or a Tiger Woods. That would be my best guess, but I like admittedly I wouldn't put any <laughs> money on it. Yeah, that was so weird. <laughs> Gloriously weird. What is the what is the team like overall in the locker room, this this group of guys? Yeah, it's like you said they're like they seem like a professional squad. Yeah. Um, but, but you got Serge, who seems like a hilarious. Everybody loves guy. Serge yeah. now. Like Serge Ibaka's transformation from sort of—I mean, I don't know what he was like in Oklahoma City, but I never got a sense he was the life of the party. Right. Um, and now he's just like this widely loved teammate and veteran mentor. Like Terrence Davis has mentioned him, and and you would think it would just be Fred Van Vliet because he's like the prototype of you know undrafted makes a name for himself going to get paid this summer already got paid once you'd think that would be the strongest relationship and i think it's a pretty strong relationship but surge has like a great relationship with everybody and you know when i was trying to write this kyle this piece on when the raptors were going to la on the impact that danny green and Kawhi leonard had on the raptors and and you know that San Antonio experience really got to them uh, and really played a played a part uh, when the Raptors were down as they were in you know each of their first three series. 
Nick Nurse corrected me. He was like, no, actually, and he didn't say no. Like, obviously, that's built in DNA. But he was like, well, Serge Ibaka was the guy who was on Oklahoma City when they went down 0-2 to those Spurs yeah. and then ran off four wins like the Raptors did in Milwaukee in the conference final. Uh, I, it's, it's a fascinating, fascinating transformation, and it's probably just the result of a guy getting older and his worldview broadening. Yeah. Um, but overall, to answer your question, I think it's a fun group. I think they're they're pretty tight knit. Like you know, Norm and Fred Van Vliet have had a close relationship for years. Uh, Pascal is you know on the star spectrum is, is sort of a lighter personality, but that's you know his work ethic is again you know way up there, and you know you could probably credit that to watching a guy like DeRozan for years, who yeah. always came back with something new, and you know we're watching. Pascal take a few Dirk jumpers every night, mm-hmm. so that certainly developed over time. Um, Kyle Lowry's a leader, and and Fred to a le- lesser extent. Yeah. I, I think they're the guys whose play really influences the Raptors' ethos the most. Um, for undersized guys to be able to get so many deflections, so many steals, to be able to, you know, Kyle Lowry's one of the best post defenders in the world if, if you'll let them defend somebody bigger which is you know sort of why they're not frightened of playing mm-hmm. a huge team in the yeah. playoffs uh, I think they take their cues from them but the locker room you know it's hard to see much division who, who is the the toughest guy to get a quote out of oh oh gee um, <laughs> yeah I, I I do a week in the life feature almost every year and last year I sort of wanted to do OG. I was like, I wonder if I could get him to crack over the span of a week if he has <laughs> right. to talk to me every day for seven days. But then, like, I was like, what if I don't? Like, I, <laughs> I'm going to need a lot of color. And access is fine, but it's not that good. Right. <laughs> like, you like, one quote. Yeah, yeah. Um, He's a man of few words. Yeah, yeah. He has a... He has a, I don't know if I should be saying this. He has a great relationship with Raptors media relations head Jennifer Quinn. Okay. It's like really endearing huh. almost. And I want to write a story about that, but I don't think OG will ever cop to, <laughs> to sort of like the, I don't want to relate, really, you know, compare it to any family type relationship, but that's like the most bubbly and open I ever see him is uh-huh. talking to Jennifer Quinn. So shout out to JQ. Yeah, shout out to JQ. <laughs> well, let's talk uh, Let's talk about the wraps of the deadline here because, I mean, you know, Woj sort of uh, stirred things up a little bit here recently saying that the wraps, they actually might be buyers. There's talking them being buyers at the deadline. Well, they got all these possible moves they could sell on, you know, obviously expiring deals with some of these guys because uh, there had been that talk at the beginning of the season. What do you think, Eric, as we get closer here to the deadline, what are the, what, what are the Raptors you think going to do? And have you heard any whispers of where they're leaning one way or the other? So I should say that I came into the year thinking that being sellers, especially if they were doing decently, was unlikely because I think there's a real value in running it back to the extent that they can. Like, you know, nobody else considers them the champs, but last year was so important to them and to be able to honor that in some way and you know, for some team to pry the championship out of their cold, dead hands. I think it it means more to the fan base than you can really understand if you're looking at the NBA from a strictly asset perspective, Mm -hmm. which a lot of people do, and to some extent, that's Masai Ujiri's job. Um, The other reason I I didn't think that was likely to happen uh, is because I don't think... Like, to salary match with Serge Ibaka and Mark Gasol and get something of real tangible value back and, like, f- for for those salaries, I sort of thought was unlikely. So if the Raptors were really doing poorly, I think a Kyle Lowry trade would be more on the table because that's somebody you could obviously get a nice package back. Uh, you know, I think I would think teams like Miami or, uh, I mean, you, you guys have probably thought about it more, the, you know, would... Who wouldn't want to have Kyle Lowry as a secondary piece mm-hmm. on a team with a superstar? Yeah. You know, that, that formula's worked before, I, I seem to remember. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, but with how good they've been, here's the conundrum. Where is, like, the marginal upgrade coming in the top seven? Like, right. who is better than Norm Powell in the Norm Powell role right now? Right. Now, if that drops off... That's where, and that's where I would have said the most natural upgrade would have come before the season is, you know, you, you get another 
two three or three four in there and give yourself some more scoring and and maybe some more defense along the wing um but there's no there's nobody out there who's doing that role and would fill that role better so now you're looking at it and it's probably okay can we do better than og ananobi in the starting lineup and and that could be a small forward it could be a power forward whatever positions Mm -hmm. are meaningless to some extent (laughs) uh and I think then you're you're inching into blockbuster territory. And how many of those guys are available? Like, as we know it's going to be a seller's market. There's too many teams involved in the respective playoff races, I, I think, uh, to, for, for there to be too many guys really available out there. So, you know, let's throw out some possible names. LaMarcus Aldridge, C.J. McCollum, like... Who else is there on a potential seller that really moves the needle for this team? And, and I'm just having a tough time figuring it out, but I think that's the most likely meaningful trade they are to make yeah. is something closer to a blockbuster rather than we're going to trade one of our top seven for a slight upgrade on that mm-hmm. top seven. I don't see that. Because you don't really even see yeah. it out there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I agree. I came into the season uh, as sort of the analytical idea that you know, because we cover all thirty teams, I I was thinking assets. I was thinking ledger. I was thinking yeah, they got to trade one of these expiring deals. But the more I get into it, or the more I see Masai Ujiri, as you said, uh, type of guy who, yes, that's sort of his job, but at the same time, a guy who says Brooklyn yeah. uh, <laughs> is also thinking about the city and about the organization that he just helped bring a championship. Yeah, and we saw what Mark Gasol fetched last trade deadline. It was. Jonas Valanciunas, DeLon Wright, a filler contract in C.J. Miles, and a second-round pick in 2024. Like, do you want to give up on a hugely impactful player on a very good team that, like, you know, I don't think they're Eastern Conference favorites, but would anybody here be, like, just blown away if they came out of the East? I I mean, Milwaukee and then Philly are the two favorites, but I don't think either of those teams is unbeatable. And... The Raptors themselves certainly don't think that, and I think it would be disappointing to a lot of the fan base. Uh, it's it's hard for me to see it unless the trade is big, and I'm not ruling out a big trade happening, but those a lot of the times are things you don't necessarily see coming. And like the most obvious guy, Kevin Love, does not fit mm-hmm. at yeah. all. Yeah, and wait, wait. a drum into they like, I, I've heard that, that but I, I like Marcus. I'm just gonna say it, Marcus All's a better player for this team and a lot of winning-minded teams yep. than Andre, Andre Drummond. Drummond. Yeah. We, we just don't hear a lot of uh, whispers coming out, of rumors coming out of Toronto. Is that Masai? Is he saying, you know, he, he just doesn't leak anything and, and those around him know to keep things quiet or are they just maybe not having discussions or... Uh, he, I, it's it's yeah. that Blackberry. <laughs> <laughs> Real ones now. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that's sort of always been their their motto. Like, even think back to the Kawhi trade like days before that happened the odds in Vegas of the Raptors getting of the of Kawhi playing on the Raptors that season went up and everybody was like what the hell's going on it wasn't like a leaked report like oh the Raptors are in deep discussions with the Spurs Mm -hmm. it was this odd thing that's probably the result of you know, the 10th guy in some front, front office whispering somebody yeah. to w- who whispered something to somebody in Vegas. Um, if that's indeed what happened, who knows? I don't think, you know, especially as they've gotten better and better, they're particularly inclined to leak stuff. Uh, you know, the, the thing with Woj, if you want to think that's coming straight from the Raptors, and I think that's a reasonable opinion, is just like, we're open for business, we're we think we're a good team. If you're, you know, thinking of doing something major, come at us because right. we have all our picks in the first first round picks. We have some contracts that we can match uh, with, you know, Norm's contract, Serge's contract, if you're doing something huge. Um, I, I think that's just saying, look, we're not selling, we're buying. And if, you know, you're in a bad, bad place in terms of co- competitiveness, don't forget us. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, I saw you recently tweet, people really like talking about trades. That won't happen because you guys have been doing great work, you and Blake, over on The Athletic, writing about potential trades, maybe who could be moved. Yeah, Blake, I I should plug it since he's not here to do it. He will have his... uh, his annual why your trades are bad, uh, your trade ideas mm-hmm. are bad column, which is always a fun read. And it's not as glib as it sounds. Yeah. It's actually <laughs> fun. But as somebody who knows the CBA very well or how front offices think very well, it's always an educational read where people give Blake their fake Raptors trade. So and like, he hey, says, Andre Drummond to yeah, the Raps for so-and-so. Yeah, yeah, and Blake says, well, <laughs> you know, Marc is better than Andre Drummond. Right, right. That, that one's easy, <laughs> that part. Um, but yeah, the people love this stuff. Yeah, right? of course. I do too. Uh, yeah. But uh, but your gut says you do think the Raps will probably be fairly quiet at the deadline. Just with how hard it is to make a big trade, I think the smart money is they don't do much. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because I think a big trade is the most likely meaningful trade, they can always do something minor on like, you know, spots nine and ten in the rotation. That was the Brian Colangelo special. Yeah, oh yeah, you know, Patrick <laughs> O'Brien, Juan Dixon, yeah. uh, Primo Brezic. We can't forget Primo, the, uh, the gangster. Yeah. Why, didn't, why didn't he get the Jake Primo Boschko? pass? Didn't then, Jake Washington so. get dealt as well? But... Um, I don't know. I I think he was signed and it was in a three-way battle with Will Cherry (laughs) and somebody else. (laughs) Will Cherry. um, To make, to be the 15th man on the roster. I remember a media day, those three guys, and I can't remember the third person, just in a corner. So now we're we're really retaining listeners here. Um, But yeah, like, because I think that's the most, you know, I I don't really think they're huge Boyan Bogdanovich players like those are the names you're really hearing a lot about but but like fit him in on this roster could he fit sure but like are you giving up a positive asset to do that um to the extent that other teams probably need him more than the raptors are and and so that's sort of why i end up where i do and that's sort of why i end up saying a you know a small trade a very small trade a pretty damn big trade or nothing. Yeah. And, not, and like, not like a, you know, your typical, uh, oh, this guy could help this mm-hmm. team. You know, uh, the best example I can think of is like a Miritich trade from yeah. last year. I don't <laughs> think that's on the table. Yeah. And, and especially, I think all that, what you're saying, when you pair it with the fact that the Raptors are nearly at 30 wins despite all of these injuries, that's the other thing. You, They must be looking at the team going, damn, we are good. We've barely even had all our guys playing together. And to an extent, we, they don't yeah. even know who they are. Yeah. They know they're a basic identity, but they don't know exactly how all those pieces fit and they don't know how it looks like in a, you know, in an eight-man rotation yeah. or in a nine-man rotation and it's I I think they have a lot of confidence in their top guys and it's going to take something really exciting to get them off that. Uh and you know, we all love transactions, so It'd be cool if that happened because seeing new guys in new jerseys, especially big names, it's really fun. It's just, you know, you go through CBAFAQ.com and try to make (laughs) all that work. And it's not easy, guys. Being a GM or uh, in a front office is not easy. What have you thought? I mean, I I know the injury derailed it a little bit, but what have have been your thoughts on Siakam taking on that sort of as that lead guy on a team because there was a lot of questions coming into the season like can he go from being a most improved to actually being basically an all-star superstar type guy what's your take on well he was certainly making the the first ever double most improved case at the beginning of the season he sure was um I think John Hollinger wrote that when the Raptors were in Portland I don't think it's quite there anymore his place since he got back now it's only been four or five games it's it's slipped a bit um I'll say that I, and I know this isn't a popular view. I don't. He's a very useful defender, particularly in zones. But I think his defense on a man-to-man basis has slipped a bit, which is understandable because you know he's closer to thirty percent usage than twenty-two or whatever yeah. it was last year. But just the repertoire of of moves he has now. I mentioned the Dirk jumper. Like he's so much more comfortable in the mid-range, which, as we know in the playoffs, like you're playing good defenses. Sometimes you can't, you know, settle for the Houston Rockets wet dreams of of, uh, shot charts. You need to be able to make those. Like the Raptors were a perfect example last year. Like they won some games they shouldn't have because Kawhi Leonard was able to hit 18-footers when they were the only damn shot available to them. So he's more comfortable there. It's not 
finished, but you can see the progress. His pick and roll ball handling is way improved. Um, I think his vision off of that as a passer still has a little bit to go. So I, I think. So if you're grading yeah, him on this, yeah, year, I think like I just did grade him. Yeah. I gave him an A minus. Yeah. Um, and I think when you forward to next season, you're probably working more on you get to the middle of the paint and defenses are collapsing on you. What are you doing? Uh, that's probably his next big step as an offensive creator. And then you just hope he gets more used to that high offensive usage and can really dial it back to that, you know, if not all defense team, very damn close to it type defense. But, like, man, he's a, what, top 20, top 15 player and... Imagine saying that even oh, two years ago yeah. when he was part of the bench mob. It's insane. It, it truly is. Um, and what about a guy like Van Vliet? How much money is this guy going to make? I think, <laughs> you know, he's bet on himself. He's going to win. <laughs> um, uh, you look at the free agent market, it's not all that strong. I think Brandon Ingram is probably, he's restricted, but he's probably the biggest name based on his year yep. uh, that he's having. Fred is one of the, you know, youngest best unrestricted guys who's going to be out there his timeline will work perfectly with the types of teams that have money which is sort of younger bad teams uh he has an injury history not not any one body part in particular but he's a small guy who falls a lot because he's driving a lot and he's plays tough as hell defense so you know whether a team thinks he can be you know a starting point guard you have the ball as much as you know chris paul does i don't know but i think if you're throwing you know brogdon money at him what was that 483 like that seems pretty damn reasonable i mean none of this money is reasonable but like (laughs) you're supposed to be a raptors reasonable yeah yeah in the scale like in terms of what he's going to be offered the type of deal i would say there and if there's a real point guard and ad team out there they could up that, yeah. you know, because you can see, you know, the 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 luxury tax and the salary cap tend to go up every year. I don't know if that's going to be the case. So maybe there's slightly more money available for. So him. Van Vliet's going to get like a twenty-five million dollar per you know year deal, uh, if and not people that, are going th- to go like you know people I say yeah, like yeah, the I casual NBA fan is going to go what who how much I can see, you can see it now. Yeah, like I didn't take you know, micro or macroeconomics, much past first year at Ryerson University. Hey, shout, shout out to Ryerson. Shout out to the Rams. Yep. Um, but it's a supply and demand thing, and he's going to be one of the That's best true. guys on the market. Yeah. And yeah. again, true. and he's young. Yeah, and, and he's you know, good. <laughs> he's young and he's damn good. Like, you, like, the Raptors are crazy about deflections. Like, go, like, you have to go deep into John Schumann territory yeah. to... To find it, but you go into the hustle stats on NBA.com slash stats um, and look at the guys who lead the league in deflections. And it's like a bunch of rangy, you know, long wingspan guys. And then there's Fred Van Vliet, who's just like tipping every ball that's, you know, with it. It's unbelievable. Like the, somebody shouldn't be able to have that big of a defensive impact at that size and you know, it, it sort of makes you think of all the cliche lines you've are, always heard. You know, it's not the size of the dog in the fight to fight in, the, but it's fighting the dog. Blah blah blah. The guy's <laughs> tough. He knows how to get inside. It's all true. He knows how to get inside defenders. He's smart as hell, and he's going to parlay that into a lot of money. And it's hard to think of many guys who deserve it more. Hubie Brown had him as uh, Finals MVP last season. You can as well. never take that one Finals MVP <laughs> from Hubie Brown. Vote <laughs> away from him, like. Is there a more anonymous like like I I don't know if there's a place to find every MVP finals MVP vote ever hmm. like he's got to be one of the more <laughs> obscure like and it's hard to call him obscure right now but you know if we're doing this in 30 years yeah. oh, I'm yeah. I'm pretty sure we'll all be doing this in 30 years <laughs> um, like his name's gonna probably stand out and Fred Van Vliet and he'll just be sitting in Rockford saying. <laughs> He'll be understand. Yeah, it'll be the equivalent of, <laughs> yeah. I, for whatever reason, PJ Brown getting a top five oh, yeah. MVP oh, yeah. vote. And it's like for like just, the 14-win Hornets, yeah, right? It's, it's the weirdest yeah. thing. You're like, yep, he got one. And it's like, it'll be similar with uh, Fred Bailey. Though he's probably even a better player. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about uh, the Jonas Valanciunas ring situation. <laughs> it's a scoff. Um, yeah, Jonas... Everyone thought he was getting a ring, supposedly. He thought he was getting a ring. Didn't Kyle Lowry... 
supposedly ask him his ring size as well via text. I mean, that was the report going on after they win the ring. Kyle gets on his phone and says, "Hey, I message Jonas, what's your ring size, my man?" And then, then the report comes out: a guy who spent six and a half seasons along with Delon Wright and C.J. Miles aren't getting rings. But let's forget about those two guys. Jonas Valanciunas doesn't get a ring. Does it matter? Does anyone care? It what's what? I assume Jonas cares. Yeah, yeah does he? I, I we haven't spoken to him. They have the Raptors haven't played Memphis yet uh, in Memphis or in Toronto. I mean, it sort of sucks, right? Like, if you're a huge Raptors fan, you know how much like like that guy cares so much about that team right. and winning, and you know he might be, you know, a sort of a player who reminds you more of a different decade. But man, did he try hard, and did he love the city and want to win in the city, and you know, for him to not get it, I think you know it's sort of. I don't have a strong take on it. But I understand as a Raptor fan and, and you hear about like all, you know, we know how many people get rings in an organization. Like for that guy who put in as much sweat equity um, as anybody to not get one after he did play on the team that year, it's it's a bit of a blow, I think. But, you know, even though he didn't play for the team, like DeMar DeRozan, it's tough to imagine him not getting so much of the credit and, and then do you give him a ring so uh, I, yeah. I, I know there's a year that, like one guy played for the team that year one guy didn't and you can make that line um, but there's all like I don't see anybody you know crying for Malachi Richardson or, or <laughs> and it's a different situation and I so I'm literally torn uh, not literally figuratively <laughs> I just heard somebody I forgot what podcast I was listening to but somebody was talking about how like Millennials are so much better with, you know, word usage, except they've decided to make literally mean the opposite thing <laughs> that it actually means. Um, now I've forgotten my point. It, yeah. it does. Here, it here yeah. sucks was, for Jonas. Here yeah. was the shocking part, though. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think a lot of people thought the Raptors as an organization would be like, it'd be a no-brainer to give a guy like Valentinus to give all these guys that played on the team that year a ring. I think that's what shocked a lot of people because they just feel like that type of... Yeah, and it just hasn't been the norm in the NBA. I forget what the one case was that he did get. Was it Zaza and... Was it? Anderson Verge. Oh, Verge, yeah. 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 He got yeah. Offered, offered by uh, the Cavs when they won it, but he was on the Warriors. And I think yeah, and I, and I think that's a pretty analogous situation, right? Like, it's long-time pillar of the team gets traded or moved in year like how many years was you know Anderson Vergeau sideshow bobbing next a to decade. LeBron yeah, you yeah, know? Least, like yeah. both versions yeah, uh, you yeah. know <laughs> LeBron 1.0 in Cleveland and LeBron 2.0 so I would have leaned toward especially I mean once you give it to Jonas you have to probably give it to, to, everyone to everybody who played yeah. on the air I would have leaned toward them, them getting it it's a bit disappointing to me that they didn't I still don't totally understand why it happened, but it doesn't make me angry right. or anything <laughs> like that. Well, you mentioned all the people in the organization that do get rings aside from the players, yeah. all the employees, etc. Who's the most obscure person who got a ring who works for the team? I'm not sure I have an answer for that. Uh, I, didn't, I, didn't I, I wish I did. did. Like, you know, I'd love to shout out Romeo, the security guard, <laughs> by the elevator. Yeah. Right, he's been in some viral moments, yeah. I, yeah. I believe. No yep. doubt. Um, I don't think he got a, a ring. Mm. Um, let's you know, let's start it. Give Romeo a ring. Yeah, I like that. If we're gonna be upset about Valentino's yeah, not getting one, I'm upset about Romeo. Hashtag one. get Romeo a ring. Well, one of the guys, um, you know, obviously Valentino's was traded for was Gasol. You've created the Gasol <laughs> statistic. Has it caught on? Can you explain that for the for the listener? It is not caught on. <laughs> he's he's now ruining it by shooting tons. Yeah. He's just you know he's just chucking now. He <laughs> was letting it fly in Atlanta. Comparing there, yeah. to earlier the year, and you know by the way he sort of should like he's a really good jump shooter now, and uh, as he realized, I think especially while he was out. If he's passing down those open opportunities, it's actually bad for the offense unless there's another wide-open opportunity that can be available in one or two passes. But to credit, you know, to sort of, you know, I love watching Marc Gasol play. I think he's like center Kyle Lowry in a lot of ways. You know, he he tries to make every, take advantage of every situation that's out there. He, you know, one of the highest IQ players in the game. You know, Zach Lowe named 
his an all-star team that's sort of based on that same idea that like maybe their box score stats don't pop, hmm. but if you're watching the game, you love what he does. Right. So I'm not the first person to really love Marc Gasol. Right. Uh, but you know, start the season, he's shooting terribly from two, not great from three. He was like down in the 20% from two f- for a while, but he was still having this hugely positive impact on the game. So I, I made a statistic, uh, and he was also very shy about shooting. Yeah. So the Gasol was fewer than five field goal attempts in a game, uh, but five or more assists and rebounds, um, which isn't easy to do because if you're if to mostly to get five assists, you have to have the ball a fair <laughs> amount. Yeah. If you have the ball a fair amount, you're usually shooting a fair amount, um, and it's really hard to do. Last I checked, there were like only 20 or 21 examples of it happening this season, and Gasol had three, tied with uh, Nikola Batum. Um, wow. <laughs> uh, I, I think they're still tied. Okay. Rondé Hollis-Jefferson picked one up. Uh, but the beautiful thing about <laughs> Gasols is they were also zero free throw Gasols, uh, <laughs> which, is, which is what I now call a true Gasol. Uh, <laughs> so no free throw um, attempts. It's hard to know why this hasn't picked up uh, <laughs> as a stat. Everyone it. should be using it. It's like the Hollinger PER, yeah, isn't it, really? It's, 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 you know, just, just if I could say time. it's better than, a, than <laughs> PER, it should be used more widely, has more <laughs> utility. Um, <laughs> it's just, it was a... You know, Tass and I were sort of talking about the you know the dog days of the season. I, I think I, I made that stat up either in late November, or early December. It was December fourteenth. Yeah, it was a good view. It was a good way to view a game in mid-December. All right, so the, <laughs> the, the, the true Gasol, less than five field goal attempts, no free throw attempts, and then plus five in yeah. the rebounds and assists category. You still got a Gasol if you do take free throw okay. attempts but but a true the, yeah it's it's pure it's and pure it's, it's true pure. uh and <laughs> as as i think we had a discussion about this online nate mcmillan is far and away the career leader in gasols yes uh, like he leads by like 20 or something like that uh it's ridiculous wow. which is incredible that nate mcmillan probably maybe uh coach nurses yeah. uh you know Right there, one two yeah. in the coach of the year race. Maybe right now. when Indiana's in town, I'll, or I'm going to Indiana after the trade line, I'll ask Nate Do if, it. if he. Mm-hmm. I'm sure before a game he will be totally up for <laughs> yes. a, a conversation. <laughs> he seems like a chill dude in that, in that <laughs> sense. Let's uh, let, let's take a, a step back, big picture Raptors, because this is a, a topic everyone loves to weigh in on. Who is the greatest Raptor in history? Um, I think it's Kyle Lowry. I don't think it's particularly debatable i mean anything's debatable mm-hmm. but uh you know you i thought that before the championship to yep. be honest I, I was leaning that way the championship sort of solidified it but if you look at you know i hate to be boring stats guy and i won't even cite specific stats but if you look <laughs> at his his impact on winning you know nobody has led to more has had a greater impact on more wins than Kyle Lowry you know Vince had the higher peak, Mm -hmm. but he did not come close to sustaining it for the Raptors in the way that Kyle Lowry did. You know, DeMar DeRozan had, you know, the flashier game, more points, but his, you know, his limitations, especially on defense, was part of what was holding the Raptors back in a lot of way. Now he was, uh, you know, overwhelmingly a, a great thing, great player for the Raptors, but he did not have that two way game that sparked, you know, so many wins as Kyle Lowry did. I, um, Chris Bosh, I think, is underappreciated in this conversation yeah. because he played for some truly garbage teams. Um, you know, he was the, the last year, the famous Hito year, um, that mm-hmm. made Tass famous all over the world. <laughs> that was um, the best thing from the Hito yeah. year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> but, like, they were 30th in defense. And, you know, we all saw that Chris Bosh can be a pretty damn good defender later on. So I'm not ready to pin that on him, but it's sort of like what we're talking about Siakam. When you're asked to carry so much of the offensive load, how much can you do to lift a defensive team that has, uh, you know, Hito on the wing and then your pick-and-roll defense if it's a typical 1-5 pick-and-roll? Uh, I'm glad we got from Kyle Lowry to here. Is, uh, <laughs> is Jose Calderon and yes. Andrea Bargnani. If yeah. they're your 1-5 pick-and-roll defense, it's going to be hard to work around <laughs> that. So I, I think, you know, Chris was very efficient, and I, I think he really deserves, you know, a conversation among 
the four guys if you want to include Kawhi. So your Mel either. Rushmore is probably um, Kyle DeRozan, yeah. Bosch, and then Vince, or yeah. Or, or, I think like I think Kawhi is just a total a totally different conversation. If you're just talking about peak, and and that's how you view this conversation, I think he's the greatest Raptor of all time. Right. And like if you're just looking at the championship, he's the greatest Raptor of all time. But if you're looking for like overall impact on the team, I almost think he has to be five. Um, and I know that's sort of black and white, but you know he just didn't put in the time, and, mm-hmm. and that's not to you know he was incredible, and what he did was super impactful, and that you know moment with the shot is going to live on forever, but he didn't again didn't have the sweat equity with the team that those four guys do. So uh, you know to me those are my top four. Yeah. We can talk a while about twos through two through four if you want. I think Kyle's a no-brainer number one. Is he going to get his jersey retired then? Do you think? I mean, I think so. Um, you know, there's no precedent for this. Yeah, they, you know, Vince is still playing. Chris Bosh just retired. I think it'd be really weird if the first number they retired was Chris Bosh's number. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know if his number gets retired. Like they. They don't have a bar yet, yeah. so I, I can't, I can't comment on it. But I, I would, the highest of imaginable bar, imaginable bars to me, Kyle Lowry clears. So I think he's, you know, I, I would bet Vince, him, and Demar all have their numbers retired. I'm not sure about Bosch, but I think those three do, and I think Kyle's the easiest call of mm. the three of them. Do you have a, a favorite Raptor you've ever covered in the locker room? Um. Amir Johnson was just a really fun guy to be around. Uh, I have a lot of fondness for Quincy AC. Um, Damar, I mean, our like I started doing this full time in 2008. He was a rookie in 2009. So to watch somebody grow yeah. over time was just a really neat thing, and you know, one of the you know most pleasant guys to be around, and for him to become like. A stronger voice within the team when he, as a rookie, he was like a lot of rookies, like very, you know, very, very, very quiet. Yeah. Um, it was really cool, and to see him become the guy he became was really cool. Uh, I know I'm missing some guys. Lou, I mean, Lou Williams was just way too cool for me. <laughs> 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 like I, I, you know, he almost. I don't know if you guys got like this when you're not around locker rooms as much, but the guys who like really intimidated me were guys who. I grew up watching, so I don't get that feeling that much anymore. Like I used to get that with like Shaq or yeah. KG or Tim Duncan. It like, was wow. like, yeah. like, why am I here and they're here? Uh, and like even with LeBron, it doesn't quite happen the same way. Even though like I was 18 when when he came into the league, but Lou is one of those guys. Like, should I talk to this guy? He's so <laughs> freaking so cool. cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I know I'm missing some guys. Chuck Hayes was you know really really insightful. Um, I could go on, but yeah. I, I think like Damar and Amir are, and, you know, and, and trading barbs with Kyle is fun <laughs> in a different way. He <laughs> um, doesn't make the list. No, we <laughs> were never that close. <laughs> um, I think Damar and Amir are probably top top my list, uh, and you know, given how long they were with the team, yeah. that probably makes sense. What's your favorite part, or or and or least favorite part of being a beat writer and covering a team so closely? Air travel is my least favorite part. Yeah. Um, oh God, I hate airports. I, I just, <laughs> you know. Um, and I even, I, I don't even think I've had a nightmare experience where, where you're like stuck in a city for two days. I know Michael Grange of Sportsnet has a story where he got, you know, the Raptors had their last game in Denver before Christmas, and then there was a huge snowstorm, <laughs> and he was like stuck there over Christmas. So oh, I don't even, man. I don't even have a story like right. that. So you I just I, hate I, airports. Yeah, like it's. You're in them enough where you grow to hate them, uh, just how they work, just the, <laughs> you know, you really see some of the worst of humanity yep. at airports. <laughs> and I sort of used to like airports, like you could see, like, these emotional moments and you'd try to make up the stories that were happening. Yep. Now it's like, just get out of my way. <laughs> and, like, everybody, you're called, it's like group one, group two, and inevitably there's somebody from group group five who is like standing right in the way and slowing down the entire process. Like, why are you standing here? Yeah. Like, you really want to be sitting down in a plane more quickly? Is that your big win? 
Favorite. I'm, I'm, <laughs> heading, I'm heading to the airport in like yeah. five, five hours. We can tell. Three hours. Don't so worry. I'm we get, have tons of cancellations. Things yeah. are delayed all the time. Yeah, in Atlanta. So I'm getting, I'm getting emotionally prepared for that. Mm. My favorite part is still seeing the games, uh, especially when you're close. I know a lot of, a lot of, a lot of arenas have gotten rid of the courtside seats. Yeah. Toronto among them, and I'm not saying we should have them. Uh, you know teams want to make more money off of those seats that seemed perfectly logical to me but uh you know to see those guys up close it's amazing like a the clearest example of of that was uh game seven raptors brooklyn in 2014 i w- we were like four people courtside because i don't believe there was a canadian telecast broadcast that game there was only the abc broadcast so there was extra room on mm. courtside and I don't know if you remember it, but, like, Darren Williams is shooting some free throws at, like, 17 seconds left or something. And, like, your your soul is almost shaking with the amount of noise that, right. that was happening at that game. And that happened right up until the Terrence Ross steal. And to, f- to feel that and to see, you know, to feel that at a you know, primal level and then to see up close what these guys are capable how, how of and how quickly they process things and how quickly they can turn that thought process into activity. It's, you know, it's amazing. You know, I, I've always thought, like, I'm not a big hockey fan. I think hockey is sort of the biggest jump from watching on TV to live. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it really improves live and you really appreciate it more. But with the NBA, almost the closer you are, the more you can appreciate how skilled these guys yeah. are. So to be able to do that from you know different different views, but still pretty damn good views on a nightly basis is, you know, it's not as special as it was when I started doing yeah. it, but it's still damn cool. Were you a Raptors or basketball fan before working for the National Post? And, and yeah, a- yeah, like- yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I I think last year on the run I, I wrote. Uh, you know a lot what the Philly series meant to me and and, you know I remember the the Raptors series against the Knicks that you know both the one they lost and and the one they won Uh, I want to shout out my friend Gary uh, Gary Klein Uh, after the first the first Raptors win in playoff history game two against the Knicks he telephone he called me on the telephone yeah. <laughs> that, I was, remember that was connected to my wall yeah <laughs> <laughs> my parents wall sorry uh and he just played let's get loud by jennifer lopez <laughs> he didn't even say hello he just played it because that was something you would hear a lot you still sort of do hear it a bit uh but that was like a staple of raptors wins was them playing let's get yeah. loud but i remember game five of that series where alvin williams ultimately uh, won the game with a big shot yep. and, and like during that game it was very close I think it was like a few possessions either way for most of the game and during commercial breaks I was just like leaving the you know the room and going to like an empty room and just like basically hyperventilating yeah. <laughs> you're um, living and dying with every possession so I, w- I was a big big fan I split some like not season tickets but ticket packages yep. I think I've been to every Raptors home playoff game except for the very first one um, either as a fan or as a reporter now obviously that fandom changes and you know dies in a certain way as you get to do well, this I was gonna more. ask you how was that playoff run that we just went through I mean it was awesome it's and, not the same yeah. like like there was there was one time I got up in like an excited way and I'm not even sure it was and it wasn't the <laughs> shot I was sitting next to Michael Lee of the athletic with the shot yeah. When the shot happened, I looked at him, and I think I just laughed. Uh, it was just preposterous. But uh, in game six, when on that 26-3 run, when Kawhi punctuated it with a dunk basically over Giannis, like, that was this – I've used the word primo a lot, but that was like, oh, my God. Like, that, that was, it, like, almost put too fine of a point – I think I might have even tweeted this. It's like a little on the nose. <laughs> like, like to what everybody was talking about. Like Giannis is, is probably getting there, but Kawhi is still, you know, the guy right now. And and the you know, the sound in the arena and the rawness of that moment, like I'm not sure if it was as like, Oh my god, the Raptors are gonna do this, this team that I've grown up with, uh, you know, and have been able to transition from fan to Reporter and whatever happens is a team I deeply care about yeah. and I'm invested in, you know, if not them like winning or losing, just their 
their history, like yeah. they deeply care about it, like they're going to go to the finals. Like that's, I don't know how much, how we break that down in terms of me having that reaction, but I had it. So, I, I mean, they still, it's a pretty, as far as beat, beat writer to team goes, like I, I know there's a lot of cynical guy, you know, uh, beat writers out there, and I'm don't get me wrong, I'm very cynical too. <laughs> but I, I have a pretty, you know, a, a long relationship with yeah. the team, and it carries over in certain ways. Just one thing I uh, talk about the hockey there. Um, since the Raptors have gone on to win the championship, though, has there been any shift in in public opinion, I guess, or, or support for the Raptors? Like, are the Raptors making any inroads in the in the hockey people? <laughs> um. I mean, it's tough for me to judge. Like, what metrics are we using, yeah. mm-hmm. right? Like, uh, I still think. What about on TV then, for example? Like, oh, well, they were. Yeah, they like the TV ra- the TV ratings during the playoffs were huge. What about I haven't now? been. I know, like the Christmas Day game, uh, Kawhi's return, opening night when they got the rings, they were pretty damn big. Yeah. Um, like those numbers, they were bigger than they had been previously. So if you're judging it. By that, they're growing. Um, their average, you know, ratings. I'm not sure what they are. There's a bunch of factors we can get into that are pretty boring, and I don't really want to litigate here. Uh, my colleague Sean, F- Sean Fitzgerald uh, recently wrote a book about. Shout out to Peterborough, the Peterborough Peets. Uh, <laughs> bet you didn't expect that. Yeah, you know? <laughs> I was like, who's um, Peter Burrow? <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's a town like ninety minutes, two hours northeast, I think, yeah. of Toronto. Um, and I bring that up because it's sort of it's about life a year with a junior hockey team, but it's also about how hockey culture is really taking a hit in Canada and its sustainability. Much like the way people talk about football in the states, like. Not to the same degree, but it's coming into question because of, you know, changing demographics, but also, you know, how safe it is, how expensive it is, you know, uh, all these things. And increasingly, people are coming into the are are finding games like basketball more interesting. And the Raptors run, I, I think, caught a lot of hockey fans, you know, a lot of casual fans got caught up into it. I'm sure there was some retention there. I'm sure the way they're playing is helping keep keep that retention higher. You know, I, I think trade deadline coverage on TSN and Sportsnet uh, for the NHL trade deadline is still safe. They're still gonna, <laughs> yeah, yeah. they're still going to hit their <laughs> numbers. Still hockey in Canada. Yeah, 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 it's, yeah, it's, yeah, still, yeah. it's still you know pretty close to a religion in a lot of places. Yeah. But the Raptors are making inroads, and uh, basketball is too. Like you know, we're going to be talking. I think if the players we think are going to show up for the Olympic qualification tournament that's happening in Victoria, BC, there will be a lot of Canadian basketball conversation too in the summer, and that will be really cool. Will you be making that trip? You think out there um, to cover that? I think Blake uh, Blake Murphy is going to go. I might go. So he's uh, the lead writer on Canada basketball. <laughs> he's written. Uh, like, yes, the answer is yes. I'm not going to bigfoot him there. He's, <laughs> he's put in the groundwork. I want to. I have some friends in Victoria, you know, the, the prince and uh, and his lovely bride, <laughs> Duchess. Uh, is that what she is? Uh, well, not I, anymore, I think. Yeah, they have to give up those yeah. titles. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I have actual friends in Victoria. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, you know, maybe I'll make my pitch thing. I can stay for, stay for cheap. Um, yeah. But no, I think Blake's going to go there. Uh, but I'd love to. I think, like, if, if you know, Shea Gilgis-Alexander... And if uh, Jamal, Murray. Jamal Murray, if you know, as long as he gets healthy, I wrote about Andrew Wiggins. I don't think he's going to be there, but if he is there, that'd be really cool. Uh, we could go on and on yeah. listing Canadian basketball players, but but that would do but, a ton for Canada basketball. Yeah, and we've been waiting so long. Like we had this conversation back in 2012 when Steve Nash took over and rehired Jay Triano. It's like, and that year Tristan Thompson and and Corey Joseph like had just been the start of this wave, yeah. and now like they're sort of the elder statesmen, uh, statesmen, and, and we're still waiting for Canada to make a real breakthrough on the international stage, even though I think they have the second most players in the NBA next to the States. If not, they're right up there. Um, So I think as long as you see that, and that's, you know, until they're in uniform on that floor, it's fair to be skeptical about that. But if that happens, I think it can only help the conversation. 
And what about the Raptors as we put a little button on this? Where, where do you think uh, the Raptors finish this year? How deep can they go? Can they go back-to-back? Get crazy with it. What do you think? They have a cake schedule coming up. Uh, Philly on Wednesday, so that should be a fun game. But there aren't many plus 500 teams coming up. Uh, I, I know Alex Wong, Stephen LeBron on Twitter is pitching the 12-game winning streak. I don't, I don't know where they are in that streak right now. Uh, I think they're... Minnesota, I think they're four games into the 12-game winning right. streak that he's, he's pitched. Yeah. Uh, so, so that's on the table. It's re- I mean, uh, they're right, as of today, there's two and a half between second and sixth. Uh, their strength of schedule, I think along with Miami's, are, are the easiest remaining schedules. Uh, Boston has a tough one, although if they keep beating the Lakers by 30, then maybe it doesn't hmm. matter. My, I called fourth in the East to begin the year. I guess I'm going to stay with that. Um, I'm pretty boring like that. I think the Philly matchup would be troubling. Any other matchup, I think, is sort of a 50-50 to slight. Like, if they're playing Indiana, I like them over Indiana. Uh, Even if Oladipo comes back, I just think they have a few more options than Indiana does. I I think Miami and Boston are coin flip situations. So I'll say they get, you know, I, I had them losing in the first round to Boston, I'll say, at the big, before the season, I'll say they get to the second round and put up a spirited series against who, probably Milwaukee if they're fourth right. uh, and end up getting knocked out by the Bucks. which means, bringing this back to the airport conversation, <laughs> it's very difficult to get directly from Toronto to Milwaukee. <laughs> 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 Lots of connections available, though. Go, you know, go through Detroit, go through Minneapolis for some reason, go through Chicago, O'Hare, which you want to beat writer Minutia, as Blake and I like to say on Raptors Reasonableness. Avoid connecting at O'Hare, yeah. if at all possible. Yeah, you, you beat writers. You love to talk about the connections, the direct flights, and like the proximity of the hotel to the arena. Look, yeah. you, you asked me about my favorite and least favorite part about being a beat writer, so you got what you deserve sometimes. Uh, well, Eric, we told everybody, obviously, your great work is on The Athletic. You guys should subscribe, theathletic.com slash nodunks for 40% off if you haven't already. And uh, where else can everybody sort of follow your uh, work on Twitter and so? Yeah, eCorine at Twitter. I don't, I usually use my Instagram Instagram account to take pictures of my dog, Walter. He's great. Okay. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's What e- type of dog are we talking about? Uh, he's a mix, uh, part Shih Tzu. We were told part Basset Hound. We're not sure about that. He's long and has a Shih Tzu type face. <laughs> and is great, and I miss him very much, uh. along with my wife, I guess. <laughs> um, uh, I'll hopefully see them later tonight. Uh, my Instagram's eCorean, and I occasionally okay. take pic- basketball-related pictures there. But it's mostly my dog. I should I should warn you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Theathletic.com slash Raptors slash eCorean, or whatever my author page is, Eric Corrine, probably. Um, and the Raptors Twi- I mean, Reasonableist, the, the podcast? The Raptors Reasonableist podcast. Uh, you can hear pretty much weekly uh, on The Athletic or wherever you get your podcasts. That's well, the phrase, right? Yeah. Everybody yeah. has the same mm-hmm. phrase. Wherever you find your podcast. Yeah, wherever you find and download your podcast. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. We, I switch it up all the yeah. time. Well, thank you so much. Really appreciate you coming <laughs> in here today. Love to be with three and uh <laughs> and Trey. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry for opening our borders to you this one time. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I was going to start some Royals conversation, but I didn't want you to feel left out. <laughs> oh, I'm actually up to date. My sister is very into the Royals game. I think they're able to call themselves the Duke and Duchess still, uh, but they can't call, say her royal highness or whatever uh, the hrh <laughs> part of it is. there's I, a lot u- of stipulations my uber driver here that, that was the most intense royal conversation i've had here so i mean i talk about the commonwealth but man people are people are caught up everybody just wants suits back on the air i think <laughs> yeah all right we'll close this podcast with a little lord eric thank you so much uh thanks guys uh, pleasure to be here thanks eric brace the day people and we'll never